So welcome back, everybody, to the Eurovision Rewind podcast. This is the show where we take a retrospective look at the Eurovision Song Contest of the past and the years in which they took place. I am a matching set of rhinestone purple, uh, what do you call those, cat suits? I guess so. I think, you mean the one, uh, like, the... Figure skating costumes? Like the yes, the figure skating cost the bell-bottom figure skating costumes. <laughs> Anyway, that's me. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> hello, hello. I am uh, some extravagant cowboy gear. Uh, Millen, having a great time. Quinn, filling in for Ellis. I am a I am a drag queen wearing a bright red dress and clown makeup. Absolutely. And if you couldn't much. tell by that, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just gonna say much, much to discuss in this one. Oh, we're going to get into it. And if you couldn't tell by our intros and you didn't read the title, we are talking about the Eurovision Song Contest 1973. I almost said 1957. But um, before we talk about that, we're going to talk about our songs of the week. So who would like to get started on that? I, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I found a song called Evil Vere by Los Angeles Negros. Um, just some... I want to say Mexican, maybe. I'll, I'll real quick. I'm checking out Chilean, Chilean band. I think uh, from the '70s that are, I think, staples of of Spanish and Latin music. I feel like I've only I've listened to one album of them, and I'm already a diehard fan of their work. Um, so, Evil Vera is this lovely tune, very much uh cozy and fun at the same time definitely worth checking out that's my song of the week lovely um my song of the week i've been listening to a lot of music that i used to listen to that doesn't make sense i've been listening to like like music that i listened to a lot when i was like in high school or earlier recently because that's what i've been feeling like doing so my song is stop breaking down by the white stripes I don't know if I can say the White Stripes are my favorite band of all time, but they're really up there. And I think that the song that I chose really encapsulates what I like about them with like they have a lot of like simplicity, which ends up being able to create like a lot of sound and it's just I don't know. I like them a lot, and that is my song of the week. Cool. Um, I think my song of the week is going to Port Washington. Um, I did not look closely at all of my song choices because i forgot i was supposed to come with one but going to port washington is by the mountain goats and the thing that i always love about the mountain goats is their lyrical quality um and i think that one thing that they do all around really well but the thing they do in this song really well is capture the momentary joy that you can feel in a relationship and like the things that surround it that capture a relationship for you um i like the i I really like the line i have never loved anyone like i loved you and i had something on my mind so yeah quinn's adding a lot to the show already (laughs) it was quinn adding anything to the show 
Yeah. I was going to say that was really beautiful. And I barely stumbled through <laughs> my contributions <laughs> to that. Like, oh. oh, we enjoy the vibe of this thing. It's cool and fresh. And you're like, it, it evokes a nostalgia for a love lost. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> actually, what happened? What happened was I keep a list of all the songs I listen to every month. And I looked at December 2020. And at the top of it was going to Port Washington by the Mountain Goats. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I like that song. It was pretty, and it talked about love, which is most songs I like. That's fantastic. Nice. I think this is this is the perfect year for you to come on as a, as a guest host because we have much to talk about, and it's clear that you're going to talk about it in an educated and uh, effective way. So let's I'm do so it. Let's glad, get into Milan. it, Millen. I I filled in for you the last time I was on this show, and I'm not I, like yeah. you weren't there for the fact that like my peak was when I called a necklace like a Liberace kink tool. So oh. I, I think your expectations <laughs> for me are way too high. I, I don't think so. I feel like, if anything, that raises them even more. <laughs> I would say so, too. And I think um, 98 episode, which you were on, is one of our like highest listened to episodes of all time. So I'm glad somebody enjoyed it. This is what the fans want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Ellis does not know how to talk anymore because um he had all of his yeah, his job broken yeah he got his job broken i had reconstructive jaw surgery two weeks ago at time of recording i guess you didn't like my rib removal joke anyway um <laughs> not marilyn fucking manson in so many ways you are not which is good in the ways um, that count i think yeah yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, he'll be interjecting when absolutely necessary and contributing in the ways that he can, which is very exciting. And I think that me- with that, I think we're ready to talk about 1973 at large. Fantastic. Let's get right into it. All right. So tonight we're rewinding back to almost 50 years ago, the year where the Watergate scandal raged, the year where Pink Floyd came out with The Dark Side of the Moon. The year where the first Data Protection Act in the world was passed in Sweden. Is this one of the more interesting years in history? Perhaps not, but we're still going to talk about it. In the political arena, Roe v. Wade passed in America, lifting the federal ban on most abortions. Liam Cosgrave became the Taoiseach of Ireland. The 36th government of Turkey was formed. East Germany and West Germany were admitted to the United Nations. And the first UK referendum on Northern Irish sovereignty took place. This year was rather turbulent when it came to war and peace. The eight-year-long Argentine Revolution met its end. The Yom Kippur War started and ended. The U.S. involvement in Vietnam ceased after the signing of the Paris Peace Accords. And Israeli commandos shot and killed three leaders of Palestinian resistance movement in Beirut. This year was rather a scientific one, with the first American space station being launched, Project Tiger beginning in India to preserve native tiger populations, the first handheld mobile phone call being made, and homosexuality being removed from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders by the American Psychiatric Association. Mainstream entertainment. What'd you say? DSM. It's the big acronym. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My dad's getting a degree in mental health counseling, so he has to to read the DSM. He's all up in the DSM? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's he's getting jiggy with it. Yeah, he's sliding (laughs) into the DSM. Uh, mainstream entertainment was an interesting place. Marlon Brando was awarded the Oscar for Best Actor in The Godfather, which Sashin Littlefeather denied to accept on his behalf due to the mistreatment of Native Americans in Hollywood. 
DJ Cool Herc was was said to have originated hip hop in New York. Summer Jam at Watkins Glen took place, and the Battle of the Sexes tennis match took place in which Billie Jean King won. From the World Trade Center being opened in New York City to the completion of the construction of the Sydney Opera House to King Mohammed Zahir Shah of Afghanistan being ousted by his cousin while he was getting eye surgery in Italy, we can tell that it was a fascinating year to say the least. This is greatly helped by an event that took place on the 7th of April in this year, the 18th annual Eurovision Song Contest held in Luxembourg City. Let's get ready to rewind to 1973. That eye surgery one is cold. I thought it was really funny, and I thought I had to include it. <laughs> oh, I think you—I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> like, just imagine the audacity of like. So your cousin is what did I say he was? He was the king of Afghanistan, and he leaves Afghanistan for probably a very necessary operation. And he said, "You know what? I'm the king now." And then he was. <laughs> I think it's—I think it's awesome that there's still you know parts of world politics that operate like that. Maybe not for like no. the people that are being ruled over, but just for, for yeah. me, who's entirely unaffected by it. <laughs> Fifty years yeah, later, from where I've we retired, this is very entertaining. It. Yeah. Um, also about this year, it's so funny to me because like one of the overarching themes of this year of Eurovision to me was like men being impressed with themselves with like no reason to be impressed with themselves. Um, I was like. It's it's interesting to me that this is like the year of Watergate, and I was like, "Huh, a lot of men were impressed with themselves for no reason this year." I mean, and and it's punctuated by the Battle of the Sexes tennis match, right? Exactly, <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. So, um, in terms of the charts, I once again dropped the ball on that. Um, there isn't a lot of like European chart information from this time, um, but. Yeah, in general, some artists that were of importance included Tony Orlando and Don, Roberta Flack, Mar Marvin Gaye, Paul McCartney and Wings, Elton John, um, Susie Quattro, Barry White, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, Gladys Knight and the Pips, The Carpenters, hey, Steely Dan. I Oh no, man. Steely Dan. <laughs> Steely Dan, yeah. Uh, War. Love it. Pink Floyd. Mm, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, same. Uh, the Almond Brothers Band. Never heard bad. of it. Really? Bad. Really? Bad. Um, and the Almond Brothers Bowie. Band? Almond Brothers Band. We, we agree that they're bad? I'm not a fan, personally. Okay. I thought you said bad. No. Oh. I mean, I just know a lot of... I actually don't really listen to the Allman Brothers. I just know a lot of cool Southerners who do. Yeah, I feel like that's the vibe for them. Yeah, like a lot of people I know who <laughs> like love the Allman Brothers are cool liberals from the South who like shop at the Bitter Southerner. Like, that's what I know. What's I the see Bitter that. Southerner? The Bitter Wait. Southerner... What? For listeners who have been listening for a long time, which is like maybe three of you... We now have a new location to make references from and about uh, yeah. the American South. So please, please hit us. Quinn. Yeah, I guess oh. I didn't do that before. Um, I'm from the South. Um, like <laughs> the Bitter Southerner is like this online store that like sort of bougie liberal Southerners shop at. But it's like 
really cool merch and they have hats that say things like abide no hatred and stuff and it like they're super cool but it's also kind of like bougie like i'm southern but i'm also like i also voted for for biden kind of stuff <laughs> got you okay interesting i can get behind um, that yeah yeah so i think it's safe to say that musical landscape was very uh, kind of like acoustic soft rocky which it kind of was in 75 as well when we talked about that makes sense define you know this decade <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, which I always forget about because I always think about the 70s as the, the decade of disco, but that didn't really hit until quite a bit later, later in the decade. Yeah, almost the 80s, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like the um, disco in the mainstream, I think, was pretty much like 75 to 80 ish, from what I remember from my research on the 75 episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, other than like David Bowie and. Oh, Fleetwood Mac was also like kind of getting bigger at around this time, too. So, other than them and Elton John, I guess. Not a huge fan of a lot of music from this era. And I will be uh, excited to hear your thoughts on this Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, overall, I didn't love a lot of the songs. Some of them I thought were great, but others, most of them, I feel like were kind of middle of the road for me. Um, but I thought it was very entertaining. Uh, visually, a lot of the songs had a lot going for them. So there was that if there wasn't a lot of musical intrigue for me there. Alrighty, should we just hop right into it then? Was there anything else you had to say? I think we should. Whenever we do this, I always like think that I'm missing something, but we never are. Um, So before we get into the songs, actually, we do have some things up top to deal with. So um, this edition of the contest was the first edition ever to lift the language rule. Oh, that's fine. What's the language rule again? um, So the language rule is that um, countries can only send songs in their official languages Mm. and that was put into effect in the 60s um after oh yeah we we covered that year remember (laughs) when like yeah we did it was pretty fun yeah so like uh in this one time in the 60s sweden sent a song in in english and then everyone at like the broadcasters union was like what is that so then after that they implemented a rule that they couldn't do that anymore but now they lifted it and they put it back into effect in like the late 70s. It's a lot. But um, yeah, this is the first time that countries were kind of open to singing in languages other than official language. We definitely oh, yeah, saw we definitely... Some, uh, some entrants taking advantage of that. Oh, one in particular. Oh, <laughs> really yeah. <true>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we they... were talking about this before in text, right? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's what we're all talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get there yeah. when we get there. Oh, I think, wait, I'm talking about a different song. Oh, interesting. Like the one that had like nine different languages in it. Oh, oh, oh the one. That yeah, was pretty yeah, fun. Yeah. That was that pretty was fun. fun. I like that. that I didn't wild. realize yeah. until I heard them saying like, I love you in three different languages. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, me too. So yeah, they, they heard that they could sing in any language they want. And they said, I'm going to be singing in 11 of them. <laughs> was it actually? I kind of like that attitude. I That's feel like very... this is a spoiler for a fun fact fjord. <laughs> This is a spoiler for Fun Fact Court, so I'll, I'll leave it be for now, but I thought that was okay. funny. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, it's also important to note that this was Israel's first ever entry to the Eurovision Song Contest. Wow, nice. Nice cool. showing. Yep, um, it, but this was kind of obviously controversial because, as we've uh, talked about before, 
Israel as a country is very controversial in and of itself. Um, so um, especially since uh, a few months before this at the Munich Summer Olympics, uh, there was an in incident where members of a Palestinian militant organization called Black September took nine members of the Israeli Olympic team hostage and killed two of them along with a West German police officer. Um, and because of this, uh, security was heightened at Eurovision. Uh, audience members were instructed not to stand up at any point during the show at risk of being shot by members of security. And it was also rumored that the Israeli performer wore a bulletproof vest under her outfit. Oh, it was it was quite floofy, I will say. Fascinating. It could have fit. Well, um, there's also the thing of like, whenever you talk about Eurovision, people are like, but why is Israel there? You know? It's, it's right. Euro. Yeah, and actually, yeah, exactly. Israel was the actually the first country outside of geographic Europe to go to Eurovision, if you don't count Malta, which I guess Malta is geographically part of Europe. And lastly, the first female conductors to ever be at Eurovision uh, happened this year. I noticed that. I thought I that was pretty fun. The, the female conductors. They wore yes. things with color in them sometimes. Yeah, that was they were fun. Insane. I know. They had hair. <laughs> it, they did have hair, and that was exciting <laughs> for the viewer. Um, they were Monica Dominique from Sweden and Nurit Hirsch for Israel. Awesome. Yes, and very briefly, the voting procedures were that every country had two jury members, one between the ages of 16 and 25, and another between the ages of 26 and 55. Each juror rewarded... Uh, one to five points to each song other than that of their own country and um oh yeah. interesting so there's no no zero points then for this there's no zero points um and the, the totals are quite high like compared to other contests of this year that's which i think is funny because like um in the early 60s we've had voting systems of like countries awarding 1.3 points and five points, which leads to like five songs getting zero points. But now this is the opposite where there are far too many points to the point that, uh, spoiler alert, everyone, there isn't a huge variation in point values because there's a lot of points to go around. But, um, and also like it's guaranteed that you'll get at least like 34 points or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that means we're ready to talk about the songs themselves. So... In slot number one, we had Finland, and it was Tom 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 by Marion Rung. Every city sound is in rhythm, rhythm with the beat of my heart, begging me to sing along with them, telling me to give love a start. Oh, Tom 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 Tom, I hear the music. And real quick, sorry, um, this was the second Finnish entry ever to get number one in the Finnish charts. Wow, that's pretty cool. Second go, to... Marion Rung. Yeah, and it was second only to um, her first entry at Eurovision, which was Tippy T, which we covered a little bit oh ago. Oh my god, go Marion Rung! <laughs> so she's yeah. just cool. She's just the star of Finland forever. And she won the Intervision Song Contest, as we talked about in our 62 episode. So she is... She's doing the most. Getting she's it putting, done. She's putting the work in for Finland as a cultural ambassador. Oh, yeah. And alliterative titled songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she loves onomatopoeia and alliteration. <laughs> she's a queen. Um, Marion Rung is a queen. Um, 
I think it's safe to say that I liked Tippy T better than this, though. I kind of well, like. Okay, so, since we have Quinn here, I feel like we shouldn't do too many uh, callbacks to previous discussions that we've good call, had. Good call. But I I enjoyed this song on its own. Um, the there were this was kind of the first one that I noticed that, and of course it's the first song of the night, and it's in English. Uh, mm. And I felt like that was a weird foot to start off on. Um, especially, I didn't know that this, this was the first year that they got rid of that rule. Um, so I thought that was a, a bit odd. <laughs> I, I like this song. I thought, you know, sometimes when I'm watching these or I'm listening to the podcast, I start out sort of accidentally thinking Eurovision is going to be normal. Um, and then I get blown away. And so I started out, and I was like, ah, oh, this is such a classically 70s song. And then I, like, watched all of the rest of Eurovision, and I came back, and I was like, this is the least 70s song that we have here. Um, <laughs> but I really liked it, and the thing that I thought about the song in my head was, I think this exact song has been playing as background, like, elevator music in my head for my entire life, and I just didn't know. No one told me. <laughs> and then I, I discovered that a happy-go-lucky Finnish woman was singing in the back of my head all along. I think, it's, I think it's funny that you say that because to me, this was a song, like a perfectly acceptable song punctuated by mistakes to the point where the song itself was uh, simple enough, or maybe not simple, but uh formulaic enough that the mistakes stood out more to me i think um there are some vocal mistakes there are some weird points of uh not choreography but she she would kind of move her body weirdly um and it didn't look like it was intentional uh there's this bow that she did at one point where she like fell to the floor <laughs> it was a weird weird performance to start to start with i wouldn't say it was bad I would just say that I mean, maybe this sounds the same in the way that I'm saying it, but I wouldn't say it's bad, but the mistakes outweighed the uh, correct choices. I definitely didn't think there was anything special about it. Actually, what I, what I also thought was this song like pulls it to opposite ends of my personality, one of which is like when I hear such a happy-go-lucky song, where somebody's just like, you know, just singing automatopoeia at you. Like, I just want to go along with it. And the other side of my brain is like completely jaded and is like, this happiness is fake. You know, this is all performative. And and she's making all these mistakes, you know. So it, to me, it just middles I think, out. I see. I get that. I think that second point that you're talking about uh, comes in in a much stronger and worse way. Oh, it will. On. <laughs> I am very jaded about 1973 with a lot of the, you know, saccharine face, fake happiness that we got. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to read Ellis's notes really quick. His notes are, oh, Jesus, one of the stupidest choruses in ESC history. Hi, yeah. This is pretty crap, but in a fun way, which I appreciate. That, that kind um, of sums it up. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I would agree with, um, yeah, this is pretty unremarkable for me. Um, the energy was there. And I think it really did its job as the opener to the show where it like, it set the energy at a good level, which I liked. But um, yeah, I didn't, 
love really anything about this, but um, I thought it was spectacular and pretty campy and kind of silly. I will um, say, just as Ellis said, it, it was crap, but we like it. Yeah, I, I will say the audience not being allowed to stand up. Uh, kind of striking that fear of their life in them, <laughs> yeah, the immortal peril. Uh, that does explain a lot of this year. There's a lot of times when I was like, "Why?" You know, clearly the the group or whoever's performing is trying to get the audience involved, and there is just no reception. And so, in some cases, I was like, "You know what? That's fine. It still works." And in some cases, I chalked it up to the song being bad. Um, but I think if you're too scared to stand up, you might also be too scared to hoot and holler, you know, or, or otherwise right, kind yeah. of really participate with a song in the way that it might deserve. Um, so I, I think that I, I don't think it like excuses any of the songs that, that I am thinking about at least, uh, when I say it's bad and there was no audience interaction, but it certainly explains some things. Did you also yeah, speak of the audience? Did you all notice like how weird the color television technology was at the time? How so? How so? Like if you look at the audience, like in the video that we're watching, half of it is like black and white, except for people's faces, and most oh, yeah. of the color is these incredibly bright neon dresses that the women are wearing, <laughs> and then the rest <laughs> of it's black and white. It's super weird. Yeah, I noticed when they um they panned over to like just the orchestra, it looked like it was in black and white just because they were all wearing suits and the walls were gray. I think, which mm -hmm. also the staging this year was really cool. I mm, I thought it was kind of weird. <laughs> it was but very I, weird, but I liked it. It was like a weird like coliseum style thing where the orchestra like wasn't in a pit. It was. It was like the orchestra was another audience surrounding the yeah it was like in like the coliseum style seating where it was like the instruments were surrounding the stage on the side opposite that of the audience live but not as well done what'd you say quinn like saturday night live but not as well done oh yes yes where's the um, saturday night live pit oh, the saturday oh, night oh, live oh pit never mind. for the yeah, monologue it's just yeah. in the back yeah <laughs> yeah i thought it was fun and it was interesting and unique. <laughs> I I think I thought that part was very fun, but I think it kind of took away from the actual stage that the performers had. Like if there were any instrumentalists on the stage with them, they had like this little tiny box to stand in and mm -hmm. uh, there just wasn't much space to do anything on that stage for the performers. Yeah, I definitely could see that. Um very very little dancing happened. Oh, but Except for yeah, one I, man. Except for one, one, <laughs> one man. One song had enough dancing for all of them. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So Finland, how do we think this one will do? Sorry, I, mean, I, I, I early, I, I gasped way too early. Sorry. For what? What do you mean? Well, I thought we were like moving on to Belgium on accident. I forgot we were supposed to rank Finland. So I was getting oh, ready see, to I gasp in, in ex excitement to talk about Belgium. But, I mean, Belgium deserves Whoa. it for sure. Um, this just in, Ellis has Finland last on his predictions. Oh my goodness. God. Wow. Yikes. Really, Ellis? Come on. There are worse ones out there for sure. Oh, there I are. Think I, 
I think that I think that kind of accurately sums up where I believe it'll go. Def bottom third, but not last. There are worse ones out there. Mm. She did well at what she was trying to do. I think she is also bottom third. <laughs> that seems like a pretty uh, I don't know. <laughs> discordant phrase. She did well at what she was trying to do. Bottom yeah, third. I don't. In well, she clearly, she clearly Throw wasn't trying out. to do what Belgium was trying to do. And I think, you know, like she, I didn't think she was like trying to win, you know, I think she was i think she got on stage she sang her song we all bopped to it and then she left and that's that that's where she ended up (laughs) all right i I can accept that ellis says i hear the music that's how it goes is an irredeemable chorus yeah i I wrote in my i wrote in my notes but i'm forgetting why because i watched this one when we were first gonna do like we were planning on doing this one a while back um uh, so I said, wow, music makes me lose control. But I have no clue why I wrote that. Ellis, I feel well, like I, what, I, the line that you I just said. I think it's one of the lyrics. And like the whole song is just about like, I love music, which is like, of course you do. You're singing. Like what? <laughs> cool. Like, I think it's safe to say yeah. this was not written by a native English speaker, which is fine. But um, <laughs> it's no, it's kind of fair. like. This is such a dangerous thing to say, but it's a little bit like like Dynamite by BTS, where like it's a very, very lovable English song where it is it's not entirely like it was written by native English speakers. Mm. Wow. Hey, we you were to hear first, more... Marion Rung is the original only K-pop singer. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that shout, Quinn. Mm-hmm. I I'm, do glad, too. I'm glad I'm um... glad you do. I feel like K-pop fans might not like it as much, but that's. But I was like, um, I know that like a BTS stand could kill me for this, but I don't think they listen to this podcast. And I'm sorry, but like, "Glass of Milk, Let's Rock and Roll" is is a line in Dynamite by BTS. <laughs> Ella says BTS stands for behind the Swomi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared too because I like BTS, but I'm gonna die now. If you oh, yeah, are no, you're listening fine. to this, if you are listening to this podcast and you are also a BTS fan, uh, please hit us up in our mailbag. You know, comment on our our post at uh, Eurovision underscore Rewind on Instagram, maybe also Twitter. I think something like that. You know, just yeah, hit up. Hit yeah. Ellis says hit us up in the mailbag. You know, if you hate us, it's right. fine oh. as long as you if you hate us. Review. Yeah, any any interaction helps. <laughs> oh, I would love some hate mail. Um, so anyway, after spending upwards of an hour <laughs> on this one song and the preambulatory uh, parts of this podcast, it's now time to move on to Belgium. This is song number two. It is Nicole and Hugo performing Baby Baby. Should we watch? So, should we watch? I, mean, I think we should. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. 
I only watched the the pre-selection show one because I oh, I don't know if the link that you sent was Wait, was like the, the actual show. No, I, the one that I sent the one I sent in the group chat I think was from oh. from Eurovision. Oh, yeah. I didn't I did not see that one. I, I I found another one and I'm like, okay, this is fine. Um, but I did look at pictures of it and I I don't know. I think I think I'm close enough. <laughs> I can I can synthesize yeah. the two together well enough that I have an understanding of how it might have been in the final. This was in, this was stunning. This was beautiful. This was so right. fantastic. And I think this this falls into the category of the song is good, but like the outfits are so much that we have to talk about the outfits first. I think oh, yeah. is what I'm feeling. So we walk in. So I didn't really notice what Marion Rung was wearing. Probably just like normal '70s woman clothes. A little bit, a little then, bit frumpy. A little bit. Yeah. But after them, in walks these two middle-aged people wearing a, like, two matching purple rhinestoned bell-bottom cat suits with, like, glittering lapels and platform boots accompanied by three backing vocalists wearing sequined outfits. It was spectacular. Two of them are wearing wigs. Like that can't be permed hair. Can <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Two the, of them the, are wearing matching permed wigs, and the third one is vibing completely. with foot long blonde hair. <laughs> yes, and this one hits the ground running. Oh, Milan just sent us the pre-selection show outfit, and yeah, it's pretty much a it black is- version of that same jumpsuit, except. Uh, it's like black all the way down and then there are varying stripes almost like stratum um on the legs on these bell bottom mm-hmm. legs that are in uh, all sorts of different colors and uh, actually it kind of looks like my minecraft skin which is really funny <laughs> <laughs> how much these cat suits do these people own that match they are literally figure skaters <laughs> I hope three or more, like uh, three pairs or more. But they have to. You know that they dress up in matching cat suits every day. Yeah, to go to the grocery store. Do you imagine? Oh my god, that is fabulous. But um, have you ever? Have you guys ever seen um Arthur? About the art show. Yeah, about the art Yes. Yeah. Remember the episode where they wear flash pants? No. No. Oh, there's like this clothing like fad that sweeps their town and it's like these pants that the way they're animated it looks like um they're made of like tv static but they kind of look like like the way that the sequin pants are in the pre-selection outfit it looks like rainbow versions of flash pants anyway that is a reference for maybe one person <laughs> so i, I think I nicole insane. and hugo are still going strong by the way like i think they're still performing together oh that's i'm proud oh, of them i'm googling too. them now oh. I think they they're a pretty are. big deal in Belgium. They're romantically involved. Yeah, they're they're a couple in real life. Oh, cute! That's so cute. That's but, the um, only way you can get away with always matching in your spandex cat suit. Yeah, this song also is this the one? This, this is one, the, yeah. I think I think this is the one. This song honks. <laughs> <laughs> song oh my! Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Every year I choose one song that honks, which is like the most like bombastic <laughs> song of the year. I think it's this one. What happens? It's to for be. sure this one. This one yeah. is insane. Yeah. There are songs I like better than this, obviously, but like none of them like it doesn't evoke honk, you know? Right. Mm. 
No, and like this I mean, is what I mean by when I said like in the last in the last performance I thought that was 70s and then we get to Nicole and Hugo and I'm reminded of like every everything that actually happened in entertainment in the 70s. Well, also this is kind of like disco reminiscent which I thought was kind well, maybe not, but like kind of. Well, it's you know like I mean? disco preamble. Yeah. It's like proto disco, which is weird because like we were saying, oh also to throw back to one of Alice's comments that I missed um he said that mainstream was around 77 in the u.s at least which is probably true um not probably true it is true but um i was basing the 75 on i think like rock the boat came out in 75 i noticed in our 75 episode so and that's disco ish but anyway disco was not a thing in the early 70s and they did it i mean they didn't it, was, it was a thing it's not mainstream i'm not talking correctly but um they really did that and i appreciate it I mean, okay, we've been talking about this song as kind of this campy, kitschy, you know, we love it because it's because we hate it kind of thing. But actually, it was pretty, pretty well done. Like they these two had a very obvious chemistry on stage and it was well written so that they played off of each other, uh, both in terms of kind of their energy and in terms of like vocal tone. Really strong chorus really strong as a duet i don't normally like eurovision duets but this one i you know it was a duet and it wasn't like a lovey-dovey romantic uh we're both sad and we're also horny for each other it was like actually you know let's have a great time let's be in love let's uh be romantically entangled as wikipedia says (laughs) or was it romantically involved was it involved or entangled i wish it was entangled but i feel like it's involved Uh that would imply okay. that like a third person in a cat suit had tried to tear them apart or something. <laughs> I mean, um, I hope. Uh, I hope a I little yeah. bit just for the drama. I want to see that. Um, um but like uh, this song <laughs> has bravado, it has strength, it is well done. My only real complaint is that the end is is one note, quite literally. It's like bow and then you're done. And that feels Wait. Yeah? Sorry. Maybe that's a pre-selection show thing. But you know, it's true, but... Oh! Sorry, I'm I'm being rude interrupting people. I'm watching the video as we speak, and at the beginning it looks like there are three backing vocalists, one with really long hair, and two women wearing wigs. But that's an optical illusion. There are three women wearing wigs, but like one is standing in front of the other, so it looks like one is just wearing a much bigger wig than the other. <laughs> and I got really confused because I got... cover the their hair? What? The, there's three backing vocalists. In the beginning, what two of them have the wig and one of them has long hair. But there are four of them. There's I four of them. You're right. You're right. I, I'm looking back at it but and I, I thought, see what you mean. Right. So then when I got to the end of the video and I saw three backing vocalists with big hair, I was like, did did one of them just do it like a <laughs> did one of them put on a wig in the middle? Which I kind of wish that they did but um there are four of them anyway sorry that added nothing well no <laughs> it did on. because like they they're they still just a fourth randomly not wigged backup singer which is unfortunate yeah i don't know what that's all about but um yes continue Milan. i'm sorry oh oh i wasn't um i was just gonna say that the ending is i i, I maybe it was just the pre-selection show thing and it was uh you know extra good on that particular day but i i really like the song i was disappointed by the end it felt it felt over too quickly 
Yeah, I which noticed that is, a little bit is not too. something I've ever said about a Eurovision song before. Like, I want more of it. Yeah, it's like it's like in movies when like because like, I feel like every movie I watch, no matter how much I like it, I always think it's too long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love like I love a ninety minute movie. I really do. And I, yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you that I think that most Eurovision songs should strive for the viewer to want more of it. Yeah. Or think that and, like time went by more quickly. Yeah. And my final note on the song is just like you my gut instinct is always to be negative about a song that tries to force me to be happy. But this song really did it for me. Like I I was so overjoyed by this song. I was too. Do you think that um the the juries will like it? Oh yeah. Oh, not at all. <laughs> no, why oh, not? What? Not even in the slightest. <laughs> I had it up so high for the for myself and for the jury i thought that they were going to be delighted i'm gonna i'm gonna steal the uh ellis award and this is going to be my lou memorial song that millen thinks will do well and then does terribly like or or wh- whatever your lou memorial one was Ellis. what, what is lou, what do you mean lou memorial oh, this this is a cut to a different uh episode so oh i thought you were referencing that, ellis's cat no. Oh my God. No, I, I was like, I thought Elsa's cat had died. I was so sad. No. <laughs> God. Um. No. The, in one of our earlier shows, uh, was it 2003? I think. Like yeah, it was the our first ones. one. Yeah. Uh, there was an artist and a song called "Be Happy." I think like that by Lou. Uh, and Ellis loved it, and Jonathan well, it and I were like, "Happy, not to be confused yeah, yeah. by Be Happy from Israel." <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. It was Let's Get Happy. Ellis loved it. Jonathan and I were like, nah, this is not good. And it did very, very poorly. Um, and Ellis was very, very sad by that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, Every I'm year. ready to be saddened by this yeah, song. Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's going to be this one this year. You know what they say about assuming. Oh, that's true. Good point, good point. But I'm I'm saying nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. Okay. So um, after Belgium, song number three, it was Turada by Fernando Tordo from Portugal. Entram vacas depois dos porcados que não pegam nada. Solombrados e olestos nabos que não pagam nada. E só ficam os peões de brega cuja profissão não pega. And this song has lyrics about a bullfight, which act as a metaphor for the autocratic regime in Portugal at the time, oh, oh. which he is a scathing critic of. Really? That is fantastic. That was not the vibe I got from this guy at all. That is That makes this so much better, instantly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about what you guys thought about this, because I don't really know how to feel about it. So uninspired. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Um, <clears throat> first of all, if we can just take a brief second to talk about this man's clothing. <laughs> that's a long jacket. That's an insanely long jacket. That's all I have to say about his clothing. Uh, right into the song, it sounds a lot like a song from the 60s, like the early 60s, but with a bit of a, a twist on it to kind of make it seem relevant to the 70s. I don't know. But 
you know, being a decade late is still bad for Eurovision. I'm like, I'm fine with five years late, but a full 10 years is unacceptable by by my book. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it like it tried to do some stuff to make it fun and and interesting, but it was too uh, close to the genre or to the to the decade that it drew a lot of inspiration from to be unique i think like i think if there were a modern take on this song like by glass animals is the artist that i wrote here but really any any kind of modern or more modern group um i think that would be awesome i think it could be like very fun and very creative and uh do a lot really well but the problem was it's just a could be like it's 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 old and it's not fresh. I don't know if that makes sense. That sounds like the same thing. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, this one was weird. Well, it's weird. not like a hot take on old stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's it's not really self-referential and it's not an update on something that's old. It's just old it, sounding. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, I thought, I kind of agree with you. This I didn't, this just sounded weird to me. Um. I'm looking at Alice's notes right now, and I think we're pretty much on the same page. He says, this is kind of boring, not a lot happening. The shift at the end is smart, but the song never really climaxes. Um, and I agree. This song had a weird progression in the sense that I don't think that there was a real chorus at any point. And it was all sort of one note to me. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. Like, it seemed like it was ramping up for something, and then it never got there. Hmm. But I do think that fits into the style of some artists pretty well. Like... Uh, they're, you know, again, glass animals. I think that's why I, I wrote that. Like some artists can do a long buildup with a minimal drop and make it work very well. And he cannot, and this song did not. But I think if it were taken and redone, it could be something very cool, actually. And like yeah, his attitude, really. Yeah. Didn't like his attitude? I thought what I wrote down was, most of the time during the song, he looks like he's trying to mansplain something. Um, <laughs> that is a good call. And he like, this is what I mean by what I'm going to keep talking about, which is the men, the men of this year of Eurovision who are just impressed with themselves, but seem to have no reason to be impressed with themselves. Like, this is not a very exciting song, but he's like, I understand now. I think he's impressed with himself because he's like being politically active but in general he looks like he's impressed with himself for reenacting like an old a very old style of singing and he's trying to mansplain something that's that's what i get yeah, from I, think him. I think at one point he even looks at the ca- like directly into the camera which just yeah yeah, yeah. That idea. <laughs> he looks at the camera and like nods like he knows something that you don't exactly. it's so weird yeah so yeah, I don't know about this one. I did like that at the end he does like the he does like a a thing where he goes like da 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 da. That was kind of fun, I guess, but I don't know. That was a common theme I noticed this year. A lot of like la 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 da da da. Not nearly enough. Great... Not nearly enough millennial whoops though. That's a that's a real, you know, scathing critique I have for 1973. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Also, no ding dong, which I'm not mad about. No ding dong. Yeah, but um, it's okay. We're assuming to look forward to in twenty twenty one. Ding dong. Yeah, one of the French. I think France. One of the French kind of 
pre pre selection contestants is a ding dong song. Oh, interesting. Okay. F's in, <laughs> F's in the chat for ding dong songs, Ella says. <laughs> but assuming we have nothing, do, so do we have anything more to say about this song or do you want to get into predictions? Let's get into it. How do you think this will do? Low, poorly. Me too. But <laughs> if if they, if they rank a song this boring so high, I'm going to be upset. I understand. I feel like of the three of these, it's going to go... From highest to lowest score, Finland, Portugal, Belgium. Oh, you think Belgium going to do worse? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think I think okay. Belgium is. You have to appreciate it ironically before you can appreciate it as a song, and I don't think anyone is going to be able to appreciate it ironically uh, at the time. I guess that's a good point. Not sure. Nice. I- <laughs> I want Belgium to do really well, but that you might be right. That might not be a fact. <laughs> At the end of the night, we're going to find out. All right. So after Portugal, with song number four, Junger Tag by Gita from Germany. Oh God, I hope we're all thinking the same thing about this. Fantastic dress. John Cena? What? John Cena? <laughs> I was listen, not thinking that. Listen to the trumpet part again and okay. tell me it's not the, um, the John Cena theme, but basically flipped. Oh, Quinn, you're absolutely right. Cue. Oh, God. I was so scared for a second. No, when I was listening to it. Oh, that is weird. Like, it's not exactly it, obviously, but it's like. It's flipped. No, it goes. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Validation. <laughs> um, yeah, but Milan, you brought up the dress. Oh, that's fantastic. What that? It's so cool. It's this what big... kind of Project Runway. <laughs> Wait, you haven't even watched Project Runway, have you? Well, I know, but it's like, <laughs> like it's the type of thing that like you'd be sent home for. Oh no, no! Come on, it's so cool. <laughs> I thought it was very ugly, but okay. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe so. To me, well, it feels I, I... like a piece of like stained glass. What? Explain. Yeah. It's not color blocked, but there are obvious components kind of structured together in a what I think is a, a thoughtful way. But I also, I guess I'm more, uh, maybe not accepting, but like pro kind of a little bit of that tack, if you will. You know, 
I, I can I can enjoy things that are tacky. I I think this dress is so fun, so bright, so enjoyable. Um, it, I mean, it certainly oh, yeah, like, wouldn't win Project Runway, but I don't think you'd go home for it. I think so. Right, like, I, I think this dress is I unbelievably love hideous. This I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's just not a good dress. I I love oh, it. I disagree. But, I did, but, I think it's act. Genuinely, yeah, I, I think I it's a pretty cool dress. I see a terry cloth skirt, a belt made of tissue paper, a finger painting of a flower on the breast, and then like sleeves that aren't attached to it that are made of like tulle. What is that? It's... I. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Ellis is with me, first of all. He says it's the so Colorado like, flag. You are the two musketeers of like of outlandish fashion. Of course, you're together on this. <laughs> yes. I feel like there's. I feel like it tells a story. Like it's it's a depiction of the sunrise. You know, you have some uh, kind of plentiful, bountiful wheat fields. The sun right there on her chest, coming up in the sky. The <laughs> sleeves representing. <laughs> That kind of ethereal quality, like it's all, it's all working together. Are you kidding me? <laughs> completely. I think you're completely going out of your way to defend this dress, not you think because you the think you're right, but because like you're trying to make some sort of point. No, no, no. Ellis <laughs> is with me entirely. The color use is great. There's so much. It tells going a on story, here. like Joseph's coat. <laughs> There's I... so much going on here, and it it. But at the same time, it's, I don't want to say subtle, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's elegant in a way. It's elegant. Elegance is the word I want to use. What are it's, you talking about? Imagine, you, imagine. You admit that it's tacky. Yes, I do. Imagine How if a Cyclops were to bash you over the head with like a club wrapped in, you know, tool or something. That's what this dress feels like to me. Ellis said, yes, Technicolor dream dress. Yeah. It's, but no, but God did not intend for Joseph's coat Joseph's coat of dreams to be fashionable. He knew it wasn't. <laughs> God. <laughs> to like, quote Ellis, Millen, not gonna lie, that metaphor makes no sense, but I still love it. <laughs> are you are you talking about my Cyclops bashing dress? <laughs> I think he's talking about like the sun rising and the fields of wheat. <laughs> I don't know, man. He might Maybe or maybe I think actually wait, that's not a metaphor. Okay, the Cyclops. Yeah, no, the Cyclops. Okay, okay. Cyclops. Um, oh, he fucks with the sunrise. I, I sort of. I think you're talking out of your ass. I don't know. I think um, so too. I think, <laughs> Jonathan, I miss you so much because you make sense. <laughs> All right, um, we'll go. We'll go our separate ways on this one. <laughs> Ella says awful? we're. A, Ella says we're a full hour in. And we haven't talked about the music on the third song yet. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm I'm so um, oh my god. I think the song isn't really worth talking about. Oh, to be it truthful. Was so it was so disappointing. That's such yeah, a it was cool, pretty underwhelming. It was like this rocking intro, and then it was a dramatic shift to a ballad. And you know, I would have been fine with that if it kept some of that initial flair, but it kept on missing. Like over and over again, it had these opportunities to stay fun. And it never, it never took those opportunities fully. Um, <clears throat> it was humdrum. It was polka esque, which is, 
I don't know. Personally, poke is not not a genre that I'm particularly fond of, but like even without my personal bias, I feel like it doesn't fit into this uh, context. Not very good song, man. <laughs> yeah, I um, was really excited by the intro and then nothing else. I thought the drummer yeah. was great, yeah. actually. I was so I love oh, the I like drummer the too. Yeah, yeah, and then like that I was so into the music for 20, 20 seconds maybe, and then I have not thought. There's no thoughts about the music after that. It's interesting that you said that this. So wait, you said that this doesn't really work in the Eurovision context, Melon. No, no, the polka thing doesn't really work in the. Oh, the, okay, yeah. Because I feel said, like. Go for it. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say Ellis in his notes, which echo my thoughts, is that this song sounds kind of Eurovisiony and that it wouldn't work on the radio, which I entirely agree with. This again sounds like a fake song. Like, mm-hmm. I, it seems unfinished again because. Yeah. It, sounds, it seems like it's two different songs, like you were saying. There's this like weird slow ballad, and then the chorus is up-tempo and kind of polka-ish. But the transitions are really bad, which makes it kind of sound like a demo, which... Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that this like only works in like visual medium. If Even if... And saying it works in a visual medium is generous, but I think that this would be a lot worse if I was just listening to it. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, a, I'm with you fully. Hmm. I mean, this was definitely a song where we talk about the dress because the song's bad. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, do you think that the dress will get this any points or is it going to not be a contender? I hope it does. <laughs> I, I feel like you and Ellis make a point that it's Eurovision-y enough that it, it might win something or it might get some points, but I hope it doesn't do too well. I said it, I predicted it would be high middle. Great. So, after Germany was Norway with song number five, which was It's Just a Game by the Bandic Singers. This song features lyrics in Spanish, Italian, Dutch, German, Irish, Serbo-Croatian, Hebrew, Finnish, Swedish, and Norwegian because they don't know how to act right. (laughs) And uh, also, fun fact, this is one of only two songs ever in the history of Eurovision to have Irish lyrics. Interesting. Was the other one which, an Irish entry? Yeah, it was. Nice. Which is makes sense. What does not make sense is this. This was a lot for me to handle. Wow, really? Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't care for this. I thought it was too much. Um, it was... I don't know. I thought this was technically proficient. I have a song like this every year where I think it's technically proficient, but like also why. Mm-hmm. The, the vocals are impressive. And the way that the four singers interact with each other is impressive. But it's very disorienting to listen to. Like, it's very dizzying. And I think it's throwing too oh, much at you. That's so interesting. I, don't... I complimented this song for that exact same reason. Oh. <laughs> like, like I, Sorry. maybe if I had more time with it, I might appreciate it more. Because I think that it's kind of cool. Because it makes you kind of feel like you're on 
like a merry-go-round or something like that. Like it feels like you're spinning and sound is very enveloping, but on these first few listens, it was off-putting to me. Um, and I thought that having so many languages was kind of tacky because of course they happen to be the languages that are spoken in all the participating countries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one was a, a, a little, uh, a little too much for me to handle personally. Yeah, I feel very similarly to you, especially with the dizzying thing, because to me, I, I've been watching like period dramas lately. So the word countenance comes to mind. Um, <laughs> like the countenance of the singers doesn't match the song they're singing, which is always off-putting. You know, they're like, they're making completely um, neutral faces, but they're singing completely, like either completely happy or sad. Um, and we know, like, as I've said, I'm not hugely into songs trying to get me to to be happy anyway. But the the big thing to me was that I was watching it and my note was, I do not believe any of these people like each other. That's so interesting. Okay, I'm reading uh, Ellis's notes and he and I are in complete agreement. <laughs> um, uh, I thought this song was really well conceptualized because there are these two microphones on the stage and four singers, two guys, two girls. Um, and it starts off with the girls on one mic and the guys on another. And it sounds like this echoic duet. Like it's a, it's a duet in a fun way. Um, kind of, kind of like a callback to Belgium where it's not a, you know, mopey, sad, whatever duet. Uh, but it also creates this kind of wider scope because there are four singers working together to to do the work of two and then they swap mics so that there's a pair at each and then they sing regular duets but they still work together to kind of uh like they build off of each other in a sense like one pair goes then another pair and it's really i thought it was really cool i thought it was just kind of unique and something that i hadn't seen before and as a concept, it was really well done and really well executed. And I mean, Ellis pretty much said exactly the same thing. Very jazzy as well, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. And I'm listening to it again now. Again, I think this is impressive, but it's just not for me. Okay. <laughs> like, I think that um, like it sounds kind of like a cacophony and I'd kind of in a bad way. I don't know. I think this That's is kind of a. I can see this being a very polarizing song. So I feel like you either love it or you hate it. And I'm not its biggest fan, but I understand why a lot of people probably like this one. Yeah. <laughs> you feel, can convince like... me that it's technically proficient, but you can't convince me to enjoy it. <laughs> All right. All right. I, I can understand that. Um, but I mean, I, I do disagree with the kind of it's technically proficient. So let's do it. I think there are songs that do that in a, in a much different way where it's like, I'm an opera singer. Let's use all of my vocal range and, you know, let's make a song that actually sucks to listen to, but hits every, you know, microtonal or whatever 15th. Uh, no, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and this didn't do that. This was a, this was still fun in a way. Like I didn't think it was pretentious at all. And that is hard to do. 
I, that's that's hard to do when you have something that's so I don't I don't want to say exploratory because it's not like this was groundbreaking in anything, but it was pretty groundbreaking for Eurovision, I thought. Yeah, I don't think that this is this doesn't really have any pretension. Yeah. To me either. Like which I think is interesting because I think songs like this can easily be really pretentious, but it I don't know, the way it's presented, it's like it just like seems what like for people having me. Alice is talking about uh, Australia 2019, and I'm not, I'm not <laughs> engaging uh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, okay. But, um, yeah, because it seems, it doesn't seem like they're trying too hard. It seems like they're kind of just like doing their own thing, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that the juries will be impressed by this? I hope so. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even hear that there were uh different like too many different languages being sung so i didn't track that as an original point against it for pandering um but i mm, maybe that might lose it some points maybe it might win it some points but i yeah i do think this will be easily in the top third yeah i think the the judges are going to be far more impressed than i was yeah and oh, has his top four, four nice Interesting. All right. So, after Norway was song number six, which was Un train qui part by Marie from Monaco. I have a lot um, to say about this one too, honestly. Cool. I do too, and I. Okay, reading Alice's notes, I know that we're not on the same page about this, the two of us. But. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, her voice! I love her. Hey, really? Wow, I'm shocked. <laughs> Wait, why? Another polarizing entry. I, I yeah. did not like this at all. <laughs> I hated this one. <laughs> I just. Yeah, hold. I have to review why I like her now because I'm scared to defend myself suddenly. Um, I like her outfit. Oh, the turntables. <laughs> wait, is is Ellis pro or con? Hold on. Ellis is pro. He's with you. Cool. Okay, that makes me feel better. This is also like... in his top four. <laughs> um, I think this my was God, in my Alice. top four this too. Is... Yeah, I said for no, I said is... for me like top three. Monaco is. Um, Apple wait, I want to know why y'all dislike it. Hold on. You're scraping the barrel for me. This. Okay, I'm. No, screw it. I'm. This Ellis is, is it. I'm, I'm pulling it out. I'm coming in. I love this song. I love her voice. She knows how to use levels. It's really good. It's paced really well. I think she's a great singer. And I fucking love her suit. All right, that's it. Ellis, I'm. Uh, I don't want to address you directly because I don't want you to make. I don't want to make you speak again, but I disagree with everything that you just said except the suit. I I am on the exact same page. Say, like Milla, this is a suit you would wear. Oh yeah, I love I love the suit. The rest of it was atrocious. What is it your off, deal? It's it starts off with this intro, except it sounds like the conductor has never rehearsed this song at all before. Like parts kind of start beats off from each other. It's it's not working together in the way it's 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 not a coherent orchestration and then 
she starts singing and her voice moves like it speeds up for a second and it slows down and it's it feels like it's at randomly set speeds for randomly set intervals it was just a jumble like there was no i'll read my notes i'll read my (laughs) i'll read my notes on this one this song feels like it's shambling towards the audience the orchestration didn't adhere with the others or with like the other pieces of orchestration the vocals feel typing you're so wrong you're so wrong I know, I know that this is how he feels, but I would just like to express my truth real quick. I know. <laughs> vocals separate us because I would be worried for her safety. <laughs> <laughs> the vocals feel like they're shuffling at randomly set speed. This song feels like a jumble of components that may have sounded good on their own, but come together in a shining failure of composition. Each piece cumulatively detracts from what this song could have been, and somehow makes it less than a song. God. I, I, love, I love this you. I love this Okay, but can I can I speak my truth? Yes. Yes, go for it. So I'm pretty much on the same page as as you, uh, Melon. I didn't really notice the vocal speed thing, but I'm I, I I'm confident that that is that is happening. Um, we haven't talked about the quality of her voice. Mm. I so she might technically I think she's a little bit uh, flat <laughs> for the chorus, which is fine. Whatever, <laughs> I don't care about that. But her voice is so nasally and it is so piercing and it is and 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 like i like i physically cringed when it went to the transition to the chorus because her voice is so abrasive to me and just complimented by like the kind of how unimpressive i think the song is melodically it it, it, this just did not work for me at all other than her suit this song felt like a zombie was like running at you like it's falling apart as it comes it can't maintain any kind of consistency over the course of it it i felt like i was being encroached upon as a listener i did not like this song okay (laughs) so first of all i wish ellis were here because i feel like i feel like in spirit i'm still going one on two ellis just wrote if i could physically yell right now i would be destroying you which like as a side note millen and ellis are the two least confrontational people in the world that i know and so I like it when they do this because it's hilarious. Um, but oh like, God, I'm not—I'm just not looking at it like this from like an audiophile standpoint. I'm not—I never nitpicked this performance the way I think y'all have. Um, like, I'm looking back at it, and I think you're probably right from like a rhythmic and um, like a tone standpoint. I think there were probably technical aspects of it that were—I don't—that were problematic for for music in general but that's not the point at all to me i think she she did enough with those things to get by and the performance itself was compelling i think she was compelling the cost we we all agree that the costume was amazing but we always have to talk about this yeah um i'm glad we can hit a like a cross section of this venn diagram somewhere (laughs) but like the point of the Eurovision Song Contest to me is not to be like deciding who was more on key than who. Like she was so earnest, and the song it was so good. I understand like why the to you like she. What did you say? Like she was scraping towards the audience or something. Um, yeah, it, but <laughs> I understand that. But to me, this is much more of a vibe of like she is scraping her i wish i knew what this song was about because to me the song is about 
her being a wide-eyed young singer just like scraping her way towards her future and i dig it yeah and just to clarify i wasn't trying to like be pretentious about like who the 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 composition like i'm <laughs> like well, I, I totally I just... am i think this song sucks <laughs> that's how i saw it was milne was doing that and jonathan wasn't I think on its like on its purest level, even looking past that, I don't like her voice, and I think the pacing is weird. And so, just like viscerally, it was not an enjoyable experience. It wasn't one of those things where like I feel like we have a lot of songs where if you listen to it and you don't think about it, it's fine. But then like if you do think about it, you're like, oh. But this one, even for me, just listening to it at its like baseline baseline level, um, was not enjoyable for me. Like, I will concede that I think I think if you played this song for me five times, I would get very sick of it. Right. And also, Ella says this song has levels. I agree with you. I just think that it goes from like slow to fast, kind of jarringly. And I just don't like the song. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think there's so many backup singers in 1973 Eurovision, just so many groups of three or four backup singers. And I think in this one, the backup singers were actually nice and cool and i like them also their costuming was so perpendicular to her costuming no i dug i liked it still though (laughs) yeah yeah i thought that was cool okay so dare i even ask how you think this one will do (laughs) so i think it's top five oh my god (laughs) ellis says top four (laughs) y'all are bottom of the barrel i know yeah i i'm not gonna say dead last i feel like there's uh, I feel like there are worse options from a from a Eurovision standpoint, even um, later on. But this was, oh, it was just not enjoyable for me. <laughs> it was, it was not something that I could excuse the mistakes of. I think. Yeah, I'm okay. entirely with you. So hopefully, we're moving on to a totally non-controversial song. Oh, Next I don't is think song number. What? Oh my God, you guys! Oh, never okay. mind. <laughs> Okay, so this is song number seven. It is two by Mosedades from Spain. And on fact, y'all. So, um, this song had like immense global success, and up until like a few years ago, this was the only song with entirely Spanish lyrics to go top ten on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. Really, I I googled the song so that I could read the lyrics more carefully, and I like I saw that there were a lot of results for it. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty big song, I guess. Um, the only other song that has entirely Spanish lyrics that charted in the U.S. Top 10 was Despacito. Awesome. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Ella says his mom knew this song. That's really cool. Also, um, this song was slammed with a plagiarism allegation. Oh. Bye. Um, so the chorus was claimed to be identical to a song called Brez Besed, which was Yugoslavia's Eurovision entry in 1966. Brez Besed, Bovana. 
Authors of the original song never ended up pressing charges, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, um, but I think that this is a very... Um, you can all agree this is good, right? Yes, I loved it. Okay. Oh, I thought it was so close to good. I, I said it was lovably dorky. I liked it. Yeah, like, I, thought I, thought... It was, I didn't think it was a musical masterpiece, but I just enjoyed it. It was really simple. It was a little... I guess it was a little bit, like... Kumbaya-ish, but I don't know. I thought this was sweet. I thought it was... It, it sounded like it could be played at the end of a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. To your point, it Jonathan, sounded... about the yeah. Kumbaya thing, I fucking hate Kumbaya and like songs like that, but I actually wrote, <gasps> for all the dislike I have for group sing-alongs like this one, I love this, I love this version of it. Yeah, I think um, in terms of vibes, the, the scientific musically uh correct term vibes i think that it does a good job of giving like, like a bittersweet like happy yet like nostalgic like like retrospective feeling that makes sense oh yeah yeah i think so i don't know i got it's just it's I a good like love a, song it's a good what song it's a good love song it's just you know yeah, I, you like, are it, the it sun in my moon exactly it evoked a lot of like contrasting emotions for me, I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, just in general, I thought that this was a really great, easy listening song, but not in kind of a dismissive way of that it was boring. It was really exciting, but also easy on the ears. Hmm. Okay. I don't. I don't disagree at all. Well, okay. <laughs> I I did not give this song as high praise as you two did. I think. I think it's really good. I'm not. Ah. Uh, how do I say this? I'm not. Yeah, I guess I'm not disagreeing, but I am saying that uh, some parts of it felt uh, flat almost. Like there was there were some moments where I I didn't get bored with it, but I wasn't enjoying it as much as I could have. And I think it really it really came together. Uh, at the last chorus, which luckily was not like right at the end of the song. It was like two thirds of the way through or something like that. And the orchestration picked up and she kind of hit these high notes. And I, I feel like in that moment, it came into its own as a truly great song. And before that, it the orchestration was a little too timid. I think she and the background singer, the, the backup vocalists were too evenly matched at points that it didn't feel uh, powerful or, or, or strong, I guess. Powerful is the wrong word for it. Um, and, then, and then those little elements were added, and it did, and it kind of, as I said before, came into its own. Um, and I feel like if there had been a more consistent thread of that uh, more grandiose orchestration prior, it would have... It this would have easily been my my spot for number one, but instead it like just falls short, just just a little bit. Yeah, I understand that. Um, and yeah, I think that I don't know. I I definitely agree that there was a big like climactic like come to Jesus moment at the end, which I thought was really nice. And I and I thought it, I liked how 
it did seem a little timid at the beginning, but I think ultimately it was building up to that moment. And if it was kind of like the same level the entire time, it would go on note, but also like it could have been like a lot less timid. So I feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I thought this was lovely. Um, do you think that um, the, the people will like it too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for for me, it was personally very high tier, and I think it has to end up top tenor at least. Hmm. I I mean, I would rank it even higher than that. I would say it's yeah. uh, top five or something. Um, just because, like I said, it was almost my shot to win. It was just just barely off. So I would rank it in like, I don't know, three or four maybe. I mean, I very nice. Yeah. What were you going to say, Quinn? I mean, for me, it was top 10 at least, but I expected to go much higher because it, it was so popular for so long anyway. Yeah, that's true. Having having that other uh, that that extra context, probably. I don't know if there are any Eurovision songs that do well commercially, but not in Eurovision, you know, <laughs> there <Yeah>. are plenty. <laughs> oh, really? I was just. I was just about to say that, like, commercial success doesn't necessarily indicate that a song did well. Like, um, I'm trying to think of an example that we covered, but um, yeah, that happens a lot. And like, there are also like a lot of like famous people have done Eurovision and like not won and not done very well either. So I wouldn't say that that's like the end all be all, but obviously, if it did well commercially, there's some traction behind it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, because she's not um, a yeah. famous. She's not a famous artist, right? I don't think it's a group, I think. And I don't think that. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're super. Um, yeah. So then I feel like it's... Big, they're from um, the Basque country. And I think that oh. they're kind of big there. But um, I don't think that they were um, like huge international stars by any means. I mean, if so, in that um, case, then Eurovision's probably where they're getting uh, coverage or exposure. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> Yeah, and I think uh, that this, I think, um, yeah, I think that um, this song was one of their first, like, big successes. Okay. Then then I stand by my... Beginning of the Wikipedia page I'm doing right now. <laughs> then I stand by my prediction. Nice, okay. Hello, it's me, Ellis, who can't really talk because my face is all swollen. Uh, you didn't hear much of me this episode for that reason but I'm still here to tell you the plugs. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do so at Eurovision underscore Rewind. Follow us on Twitter at Vocab Gumbo if I ever bother to actually tweet from that account, which I really should do. You can find all these links on our website, which is vocabgumbo.com, as as well as well, as well as a link to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash vocabgumbo. Where if you want to help support the cost of the show, you can get us a couple bucks a month and do just that. And also get access to some bonus content and other rewards. So go check that out. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with part two.